<laughs> Let's hope you're clapping at the end, eh? I stand, I stand before you today as a man that's had all my hair dealt with over this weekend. Um, Helen cut my hair up yesterday morning with the clippers. Uh, I trimmed my beard, and on Wednesday, was it? I don't know. We were having dinner together. It was our wedding anniversary, and she looked at me. She said, I really need to do something about your eyebrows. <laughs> so I had some of my eyebrow hairs plucked out as well. So uh, It's got absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to say, but um, I just want you to know I'm prepared. What is it, though? What is it about your hair that suddenly goes wild when you get to a certain age? Anyway, um... I was just stunned. Um, last Sunday, we, we had a great time over in Tring. Um, we weren't skiving. We did that on other days. Um, no, we had a great time over in Tring, and uh, we prayed for people at the end, and it was wonderful what God did. And then we were doing wedding prep with a young couple in the evening, and uh, they said, what, did you have a good time in Tring? I said, yeah, I had a great time. This happened, that happened. And they said, you'll never believe what happened in Oxford on Sunday morning. And I, honestly... I never would, you know, it's the first time, it's the first time, I've never heard anything like it in my life. How many people were here? Last Sunday? Oh, I thought it might be more. So it was incredible that a guy called David Smith had left a merit slip, they're called, which is something that says how good he's been doing and keeps a record of the good things that he's done. When he was a boy, he left that in a book in the King's School, and... Um, Forgot about it. A few years later, one of Stephen Tammy's children borrowed the book from the school library, found the merit slip. Steve got a word from... A word, it was you, wasn't it, Stephen? Not Tammy. It was Steve. Got a word of knowledge from God that there was going to be a person there who this was for. They were going to be wearing a white T-shirt. Have I got this right? Close enough. And, oh, wait, it's like something you sort of see on magic shows, isn't it? You know, somebody's got a card. Is this the card you first thought of? Isn't it? Well, maybe you don't watch the same magic shows that I watch, but it's just absolutely amazing what God does. It really is. Um, I mean, seriously, we had a good time in Tring. We had a word of knowledge for someone that was in the middle of a divorce, which was pretty sad, but we were able to pray with her and comfort her. And there was somebody that had a bad back that we were able to pray with and see God do some great things there as well. But it's just amazing what God is doing. And I was just really encouraged as well when Matt talked about the signs and said, do you see this? Do you see what's going on? Do you see, miracles are fantastic, but do you see what's going on in all this? Do you see what God's up to? Signs are wonderful. Signs are really, really helpful. Um, you know, as you're driving along, that was the one, there it is, we should have gone there. That's the signs I'm often used to see. But signs can be really, really helpful. But what we want to see is what they're pointing to. We want to get to where the sign's pointing us. And in, um, in John's Gospel, John talks about signs. Uh, miracles as being signs. So if, you've got a, if you see a miracle, it's a sign about what's going on. And he, he actually says, this, uh, after the wedding in Cana, he says, this was the first uh, sign that Jesus did. And he started to show his glory. He started to show what he's like. He started to show that he wants to help people who've run out of wine at weddings. Amazing. You now, we can believe easily, can't we, that God wants to help people that are poorly or whatever. Well, it's easier for me to... But somebody's just run out of wine at a wedding. Well, it's just bad luck, isn't it? 
Jesus loves people so much, he wants to help people in that situation. That's brilliant. I love it. So anyway, um, what we don't want to do, though, is we want to push on. We want to push on and push through to the God, the God behind it all that does the signs. He's showing us a little bit of what he's like. He's saying, do you want to come and know me? We want to push through to that. And in doing that, um, I'm going to look at two places in Exodus where God says he's going to meet people. And they're both tents, so we're going to talk about two tents. And in the second one, there's uh, Moses, who was the leader of Israel at the time, prays two prayers. So there's going to be two tents and two prayers. In the middle of all that, Steve's going to come and help us with a prayer. Uh, so that's something else to look forward to. So praise God. And do you know, can we just pray? I really feel like when, when I was praying before the meeting, um, I was late turning up, but still God's good. Um, and... Uh, it was like I could see tunnels of light coming down in the room. I can't actually see them in any way, shape, or form at the moment. But it feels like it, feel, it felt like there were going to be tunnels of light coming down, and God highlighting people that He wants to help, that He wants to show, give them a sign of how much He loves them, how much He cares for them, how much He wants to do good to them, how much He wants them to come and know Him. So, Father, we want to ask that You would do all that You want to do this morning. Lord, we do want to learn how to pray better, but Lord, we want to see you do that as well because you're such a good God. Amen. Right. So first one, first, play, first tent uh, is Exodus 25, 22. Uh, this tent's called the tabernacle, but I'll just read the verse to you. Uh, by the time you've got there, if you're one of those people that look to it, you might not be there by the time I finish. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, there that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So this was a place that, um, this is a special place. God's, God, uh, Moses went up the mountain, God told him, up a mountain, it was called Mount Sinai, it still is called Mount Sinai. Um, God, he went up the mountain, met with God, and God told him all sorts of things about how he wanted to live amongst the people of Israel. And he said, I'll meet you right in the middle of that. The Ark of the Covenant was like a a wooden box covered with gold with a special cover on, which was called the mercy seat. And it had uh, cherubim, which are uh, gold molded or hammered, actually, I think. Cherubim that were the spirit beings. So how this guy knew what they looked like was a gift from God. And uh, on top of that, there was a place where they sprinkled blood. And God said, I'm going to meet you there. This place was at the center of Israel. It was at the center of this special tent called the tabernacle. So right in the middle was this place and where God said he was going to live. The tabernacle was like a series. Oh, it doesn't matter about all that. The right in the middle of the tabernacle was like a, a, a picture of heaven on earth. It was made of blue. Uh, it was all sorts of tents, one tent after another. It was like concentric tents. But right in the middle, it was like blue cloth, blue, purple, and scarlet. It was like a sunset, like the sky, like heaven. And in that, there were these, again, there were these sewn-in, embroidered pictures of these spirit beings, cherubim, where God was. That's a picture of where God lives. That's a picture of heaven. That was where it was. That was right at the center of all that God was trying to do. And in this place as well was this box called the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant were three things. There were the stone tablets that were the law, the way of how to live. That summed up how you should live. It actually says, if you do these things, you'll live. 
That was in the center. There was a pot of manna. A pot of manna, that was bread that came down from heaven to feed them in the desert. That was in the, in the center of this place where God was. And there was Aaron's rod that budded. Now, Aaron was a, a, a brother of Moses. And God said, this man's going to be a priest. This man's going to be the intermediary, the man that goes between me and the people. And he made a real point about it so that it wasn't anybody else by saying, if you put this stick here overnight, put it in a certain place overnight, every other tribe in Israel, there were a number, there were 12 tribes in Israel, every leader of a tribe put a stick down there, and I'll show you who I've picked. God picked Aaron. Not only did his rod bud, but it, um, it bore fruit and it had blossom and all that sort of stuff. God chose a priest. God chose to put provision in this place. God chose tell people how to live in this place. Does this sound familiar? Those of you that know Jesus? Who, who shows us? Who is our life? Who is our provision? Who is our priest? Who is our intermediary with God? That's where God's going to meet us. The way, the truth, is he wants to put right inside of us. The provision of life he wants to give to us. And if he wants to be the one that leads us to the Father. That's in Jesus. In Jesus, we meet God. In Jesus, we meet God. In fact, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, there was the mercy seat. And once a year, the high priest would come in and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Jesus died for us. The broken body of Jesus is there before God. Now raised to glorious life. But the wounds are still visible. The evidence of the sacrifice for us is still there before God. Right where God is, there's one that will meet with us and speak with us from God. Jesus Christ. God came himself to do that. All these things are pictures of him. The one that will go between God and us. The one that will provide for us. The one that gives us the way to live. Jesus. God meets us in Jesus. The way to live. And the tabernacle was not only uh, there for... Well, it wasn't so much there for individuals at that point, in actual fact. It was there at the center of the nation. Quite literally, when the nation moved, the tabernacle, the the arrangement of the tribes and the, the way they moved it around, the tabernacle was right in the middle. And when they stopped, the tabernacle was right in the middle. The tabernacle was the center of the nation. So not only do we relate to Jesus individually, we relate to Jesus as a people. We want to pray as a people. You know, the tabernacles where all the Israelites came to once, three times a year, once to celebrate God passing over their sins and calling them out as a nation. Giving them, setting them free from slavery. You don't have to be slaves anymore. You can be a nation with me. I'll pass over. I'll overlook your sins and make that possible. They came again at Pentecost to celebrate God's provision in harvest. At at the uh, Passover, they celebrated the first, they waved a sheaf of the first fruit. At Pentecost, 50 days later, when all the food, all the provision from God had come in, they had a party. Right there with God in the center of the nation. And then the other time was they came together to remember. 
their sin, the Day of Atonement. They came together to, set, to remember their sin and God's provision for their sin. God's dealing with their sin. They sacrificed a lamb. That blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, like I said. That place, our whole identity, our whole being as a people of God is in Jesus. That's where God wants to meet us. That's where God wants to speak to us as a people. And I scribbled something down here that I can't quite read. Oh, I've read it. I've said it. Do you know, we're in an interesting time right now as a people, as a people of God. I think we are. It's Brexit, the Brexit vote. Who knows? Who knows, really? But I tell you what, God is able to work all things together for good. Not only is God in charge. No, it's brilliant, isn't it? Not only is God in charge, not only did God know what was going to happen, but God's able to work it all together for good. He's going to make it right. He's going to make it good. Actually, if we voted to stay in, he would have made it right. He would make it good. Because he's a God and he's working about his purposes. He's the one at the center of us as a people that's taking us forward that's helping us to see where we should be going. Um, God uh, used to give a little, well, quite a big, he does, he's really good on visual images, God. He's really, really good. And there was quite an obvious one around the tabernacle. He used to have this big cloud in the daytime, a glorious cloud, a pillar of cloud. And at night that became fire. I'm here. I'm with you. And this is the way to go. Because the cloud lifted sometimes and moved and they followed it. Isn't that amazing? God's so good. Yeah, I mean, Steve's talked about it already. The other amazing, it won't be a second. The other amazing, you know, the decisions for Jesus in Reading. I'm 53, 54 later this month. I've never come across anything like that. We used to do a lot of effort with um, things like Mission England, which was good. You know, we'd have people coming to know Jesus, but never thousands on the streets. We used to call Billy Graham over. Uh, my my mum told me about Haringey uh, stuff in the 50s, so I'm not old enough to remember that. But I think that's the closest thing I can re- I've ever heard of to what this is like in England in my lifetime. Isn't that amazing? It's not just Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, brilliant things that they did two or three hundred years ago. It's not just... Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf and his, and his hundred-year prayer meeting in Germany, in Moravia, a little bit before the Whitfields and the Wesley, Whitfield and Wesleys. It's not just that. It's here and now. God is doing interesting things in the spiritual realm and in the political realm. And I think it's a good time for us as a people to come together to pray. And I think we also could do with listening a bit. But let's pray now. Steve, thanks. There's a PowerPoint slide to come up. I happened to be in Coventry for two days this week. Never been into the city centre in Coventry before. Many of you will know that Coventry Cathedral was bombed out in the Second World War. And uh, it gave pause for a longer perspective. And I'd like to suggest that we read this prayer together I read these words in front of what used to be the altar in the now bombed out cathedral in Coventry and um, was astonished by how they spoke to our current reality. The referendum campaigns characterized each other as Project Hate and Project Fear. 
And those words speak to the, 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 uh, the condition of the human heart. And this prayer, which is placed right in front of the, the uh, former altar there in Coventry, speaks to the human heart very directly. And it's a prayer, not just that God would solve stuff and events in the world, but that God would deal with our hearts and God would deal with the hearts of others who are agitating in whatever way for things to happen in our nation. It's a prayer of forgiveness. And whilst there's much more that we could pray for our nation and would want to pray for economic stability and you know, harmony and all sorts of other things, I think it will do us good to pray this together. I hope you can read the words that are there. Um, I will read and follow along, if you will. We'll start uh, with a line that, uh, of text above, above the line where it says, All have sinned, and we'll read this together. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive the covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned the homeless, the refugee, Father, forgive. The lust which dishonors the bodies of men, women, and children, Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God, Father, forgive. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Have I done the wrong thing? No, I haven't. Wow. So that was one tent. That was one tent where God said he'd meet people. The other one is a bit easier to work out that God might meet people at it because it's called the tent of meeting. <laughs> Clues in the name. So um, let's just, uh, um, it's Exodus 33, 7 to 23. I'm going to read that now. And it goes, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at the door of his tent and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. It's amazing, isn't it? And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, so this is the two prayers now coming up. So Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, 
and you have also found favour in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favour in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I might know you in order to find favour in your sight. Consider too, that this is your nation, your people. It's not my people, I'm not doing it for me. (laughs) And he said, that's God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. Second prayer, by the way. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for, the man, for man cannot see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall... I love this, you know. It's like, God's, it's all, it feels to me a bit like God saying, I shouldn't really be doing this. I shouldn't really be doing this, but I'd love it. I'd really love to show you a bit more of myself. So he says, um, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Isn't that wonderful? Moses, uh, so that particular bit I was talking about. Not the fact that he prayed two prayers. That's helpful there. The fact that there were two prayers for me. There's one prayer about what God's called him to do. And there's one prayer about getting to know God better. In all that we're called to do, we need to get aside to a tent out in the middle of nowhere. To a place where we're by ourselves to meet with God. Jesus um, didn't use it to pitch a tent, but he did used to go out to lonely places, it says in Luke. So he was frequently off to a lonely place to pray. Do you know, after he fed the 5,000, he went off to pray in a lonely place at the top of the hill and sent the disciples back. He needed a miracle to get, in order to catch up with the disciples. It was so important that, that he had this time of prayer. Isn't that amazing? You, you lot better go. I need to pray. Don't worry about me. I'll walk on the water to catch up with you. Don't worry. I'll be <laughs> I would never think like that. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. But, I, you know, the thought of actually need... I'll, I'll just do a miracle. It'll be all right. We'll sort it out. Amazing. Well, there's another time. We went up the mountain, prayed. Twelve apostles who worked out who it was from God. All sorts of things. In the middle of revival. In the middle of healing people. Go up, to a mount, go up the mountain and pray and then move on. Jesus needed it. We need it. We need a place where we're away by ourselves to pray about the things that are on our hearts. Now, I used to misunderstand the tent of, the me- tent of meeting because I didn't read the Bible properly. I thought Moses went to the tent of meeting and nobody else went there, though I did know that Joshua stayed there. But what it actually says is anyone, anyone, everyone in this version, actually, who sought the Lord. In my verse, in the version I read at home, which is the NASB, uh, it says, uh, if anybody wanted to inquire of God used to go out to the tent of meeting. So you've got a question. You know, what, you know, we've been doing this missional community stuff for three years. What should I do next, Lord? It, you know, what do you want to do? How do we want to make it work? How do you want to reach people with your love through it? 
get out to the tent of meeting, ask God. If you want to know about Brexit, how to be at peace and all that. Got a question you want to ask? Got an inquiry? Out to the tent of meeting, ask God. You want to know about all sorts of things? Out to the tent of meeting, have a word with God. Everybody, everybody who went there, could go, who wanted to go there, ask a question, could ask a question. Brilliant. It's something for you, something between you and Jesus. And the second question was, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, I want to know more and more what you're like. I want to know you better. It's great that you're going with us. We need you to go with us. We really want you to go with us. But I want to know you. I want to know what you're like. I want to know what you do. Yeah? Brilliant. God's so good. I love the way. There's a verse in um, Samuel, uh, probably 2 Samuel, where um, uh, Joab is trying to do a, pull a fast one on King David. There's a guy called Joab, he's commander of the army. Uh, and he says, um, he gets someone to say that God doesn't always, uh, well, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but basically if you ba- there's people that are called the banished ones who oddly enough had been banished, and he says, God doesn't leave banished ones out there, but devises means that his banished ones could be brought back to him. God wants people to come back to him. God wants people to know him. God, why was I saying that? God wants us to know him. God finds ways of bringing us back to him. There is a cleft place in the rock, a cleft in the rock. It's called Jesus. Jesus is our rock. Jesus was broken. Jesus was cut so that we could see God's glory so that we could live, so that we could do the right things. Yeah? So let's pray. Let's pray when we're together. Pray for forgiveness. Pray for our nation. Pray for, celebrate his goodness. Celebrate the victory that he's done in calling us out to be his people. And let's pray when we're by ourselves. Do you know, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. If you're going to do it, here's a good pattern came from Jesus. Can't get better than that. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. A friendship, a relationship. More close than that. More intimate than that. Our Father. The one that loves us. The one that brought us to life. The one that gave us life. Our Father. Just like we started off with this morning. Our Father. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be lifted up. You're the one that's worth it. You're the one. Your kingdom come. You know, if God's kingdom comes on earth, it is brilliant. It really is brilliant. People get to experience joy and love and life instead of fear and insecurity and trouble. Yeah? You know, you, don't, you, you can... God, God is our provision. Jesus is the true manna that came down from heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it happen here like you do it up there, please, Father God. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. You can tell how old I am now. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. I used to pray this every morning. It was a privilege. I didn't enjoy it at the time, but it was a privilege to have prayed this every morning at my state school. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom.
the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a great way to pray. It really is. Jesus' idea. So, um, there's a lot of talk about flooding. Helen's going to say something quickly. Could you borrow the mic, Steve, please? Or I could take this off. Again. I'm going to say something short, but I want to say it quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean. um, so, after Martin's talk that he gave, he was basically talking about praying for things that have been stuck, wasn't he? And so I wrote a list, and the list said things that are stuck. And I wrote a list of about five or six different things, mainly to do with my family, and, and started to pray that God would do something to change these things that were stuck. And then I just happened to come across this verse in Psalm 5 that I'm going to read to you. And it says, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. And when I read that, I thought, ooh, that second part of the verse, I'm not really sure that I've been doing that very much. I've been laying a lot of requests before me, but have I really been waiting in expectation? Am I really expecting God to do anything about it? And I felt God say, this is really a big thing. Expectation is quite a key thing. And it's a bit like you've got one hand here, lifting up your request to God, and then the other one kind of just hanging limp down by the side. And I felt God say it's, it's both hands, the hand of lifting up your request and the other hand lifting up the hand of expectation. And I kind of feel like it's a, it's a word that is in season for us about expectation and growing expectation in us. And when I was just, when Graham got up to speak just now, I just had this picture and what I saw, what I saw happening were like these little drops just coming down and they were just like little drops of liquid and they were dropping into the water and like one little drop then colored the whole water. And I felt God say a little bit of expectation goes a long way. And if I'd like to pray anything, it would be that God grows expectation in us as we put our cross. Is that okay? Maybe if we, you know, one hand could represent the things that we're um, laying before God. And then maybe the other hand is possibly the weaker hand. And I know it is for me. And, and ask God to strengthen whichever hand it is, whether it's the hand of actually bringing our request to God or the hand of expecting God to do something. Lord, we just want to pray that you'd help us to be strong in both of these areas. I pray that you'd strengthen both of our arms, in a sense, to, to lay our request before you, to be, to be honest and to be open and just to do it and to say what we're asking for you to do. We pray that you'd strengthen that arm. But Lord, I specifically want to pray that you would really strengthen that arm of expectation amongst us. And in me, I'm praying for that too. Lord, we pray that you'd make it stronger. Lord, I want to pray now that you would start dropping into people's hearts um, expectation where there was not expectation before. That they'd find that something is starting to change about how they see that prayer. Lord, we want to believe that a little bit of expectation goes a long way. And Lord, we want to ask you for it. Lord, we pray that you'd forgive us where we've just not been expecting you to do anything. We pray that you would change that. 
and things would be changing in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Can you give it to Steve? Uh, just very quickly. Uh, and I do speak quickly, um, so I'm told. <laughs> I don't know why. I... Anyway, um, there's been talk of, about flooding this morning, about floods of God's goodness. Yeah. Jesus said that as we wait on him, there's going to be floods coming out of us, rivers of living water. It's incredible to think that, out, but it's true, that from me are rivers of living water this morning. From you, there are rivers of living water. <laughs> there are rivers of living That's what Jesus said. If you come and drink from me, rivers of living water will flow out from you. I've got some things that I believe God wants to do. I'm going to talk about them now. But let's let the rivers of living water flow. Let's let it do. Let it flow. Um, first one's for Erica. Um, I just felt God was calling you into something... I find this a little bit odd because I don't see you in this way, but I feel like God wants to um, help you to find your voice. It's not that you're shy, but I believe that there's a new thing that, uh, that God's calling you into where, you, where he wants you to speak with more confidence and courage, which is why I said I didn't see you this way because you don't seem not like that to me, that lacking in those virtues to me. But um, he wants you to speak with confidence and courage into situations to bring about transformation. I believe he wants to do some... Some great stuff through you. So, brilliant. If you want to talk to me about it later, please do. But I'm not sure there's much more for me to say. But anyway, um, okay. I felt like there was somebody here with a muscular pain across the top of their chest that God wants to heal one way or another through his river of living water. So that's good. Um, oh, this is a weird one. I felt like there was a hole there in somebody's on the right-hand side of somebody's chest, the bottom of their ribcage. An actual hole was the word I got. So I don't know if there's been an operation there or something like that. I feel like God wants to do something about that. Um, I felt like uh, somebody also had a problem with their kidneys with a blockage or something, which sounds remarkably painful, actually. But um, none of these sound nice, actually. <laughs> but, but the good thing is that Jesus wants to come in and bring healing and transformation. So if any of those is you, we're going to have a time to respond.